We've been, we've been coming off the Midrash, the Midrash that asks, excuse me, the Midrash that says that Yaakov asked, because he was doubting how he could find a wife, being that he has nothing to his name, unlike his father, who came in to a marriage with a lot of money. And he had the ability to find the best wife. So he said, How am I getting married? I have nothing. That's what the Midrash says. And then the next Pasuk is what Yaakov answered himself. He convinced himself that in fact it wasn't the money or the camels. That it was Hashem who helped my father. And Hashem will help my father. Hashem is here too. Can help me also. This is the Midrash. So we've been, we've been really studying off that Midrash the last few weeks in explaining that Emunah is work in progress. Emunah is not something that a person has and just stays with it. It's a, it's a, it's a constant growth emunah need constant reminders and constant work to say that's how that's how we explain the pasuk and that's what we've been doing actually the last few weeks trying to build up different aspects of our emunah some explain however that Yaakov Avinu to answer our original question, what was he doing? He was doubting his emunah. That was really our question. So we said he wasn't doubting our emunah. He just wanted to strengthen his emunah. He questioned himself to strengthen himself. But some explain a little different. That Yaakov Avinu, let me read for you a pasuk that will make it clearer and then we'll go back to explain the Pasuk says in Sefer Vayikra, Hashem says, Vezacharti et Beriti Yaakov. Hashem says, I will remember my Berit, my covenant with Yaakov. What is a covenant, by the way? I mentioned the other day, not here. What is a Berit? What is the definition of a Berit? The reality of a Berit. So it's interesting, we find in Tanakh, in a few places, that the way they used to make a berit is that they would take a live animal and they would split it into half and then they would pass in between the two parts. Right? Ben abetarim. One part here, one part here. And then they would walk in between it. Obviously the animals did by then. That's the way they used to make a berit. Why would they make a berit like that? So, it really shows what a berit is. A berit is not just a, a treaty like we're not going to fight with each other or we're going to be friendly with each other. It's much more than that. A berit means that we are going forward in a way that we're going to feel each other's pain. We're going to be our, the back of our friends. We're going to make sure we have their back. We're going to make sure that Whatever they're going through, if we can be 
of assistance, we're going to feel that same need and be there for them. What does that have to do with the animal that's split? You see, an animal, when it was alive, if the left foot was hurting, the right foot also hurt, meaning the whole body hurt. It didn't matter which part of the body was in pain, the whole animal is in pain. So we say, this berit that we're making with each other, it's a berit that the only thing that can make me not feel your pain is death. Just like this animal, the only thing that's separated between them is death, is the mita, right? Till death do us part, right? The only thing that separated the animal from itself is death itself. So too, our berit, we're so connected and we're there for each other, so much so that only death could separate between us. That is the idea behind a berit. That's what Hashem did for us. He made a berit with us. He did a, so the Pasuk says, Vezacharti et beriti Yaakov. I will remember the berit I made with Yaakov. Ve'af et beriti Yitzhak. And I will also remember the berit I made with Yitzhak. Ve'af et beriti Abraham Eskor. I will also remember the berit that I made with Abraham. Why would you mention why would you mention Yaakov, Yitzhak and Abraham? It's not the way we're supposed to say the names of the Abot. It's Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. What happened to over here when it says Vizakharti, I remember, I will remember Yaakov, I will remember Yitzhak, I will remember Abraham. Out of order. The rabbis explain beautifully that when it comes to when it comes to Abraham Avinu, he was a matchil. What's a matchil? He was a starter. The Rambam, when he talks about Abraham Avinu, keeps using the words veitchil, veitchil, and he started, he started this, he started that. The uniqueness about Abraham Avinu was he grew up in a world that was empty of Kiddushah and he was able to start the movement towards Kiddushah. As we know, Hazal called the Abot the Merkava. I don't know if you ever heard of that. They're called the chariots of Hashem. Why is Abraham called the chariot of Hashem? Because it's like a chariot has in it someone riding and the chariot brings the rider to different places. So too, in this world, who brought Hashem down into the world? For people like ourselves right now, we're sitting and we have Hashem in our lives. Who brought Hashem down to the world, into the hearts of the people here on the planet? Abraham Avinu, Yitzhak, Yaakov, they were called the chariots of Hashem. Means they brought Hashem down from Shamayim into the lives of each person. So Abraham Avinu was a Mathil. By the way, there's a tremendous amount of Siata Dishmaya when a person has a chance to be Mathil. It's very hard to be Mathil. To start something is risky. It may work, it may not work. There may not be a precedent 
So you go into something new, to start something new, whatever it might be, it is a scary endeavor, and maybe a person might feel, why do I have to do it? Why do I have to take the risk? You don't know what's going to be. You don't know what it's going to take out of you. You have no precedent. So you're walking into something new. You don't know if it's going to succeed. And you don't know what's going to be your part, where it's going to end up. Being a mathil in anything is very difficult. And plus, of course, it's going against the norm. Anytime you start something new, it's going against the norm, which is, itself is a very big battle with different people and different situations. Anyway, Abraham Avinu was a mathil. A mathil is not something you could always do. It depends on the situation. For example, if you already have a Bet Knesset and it's well attended and there's no more need for a shul, there's no mitzvah to go and be mathil or shul. If there's already a shiva and they have enough space and they're doing a good job, so then there's no mitzvah to go and say, oh, let me open my own yeshiva. There's no, there's no mitzvah in being a mathil. You can't go on your own and decide to be mathil something that isn't necessary. They already have a mikveh. No, I want to be mathil. I want to do my own mikveh. That, that, that's, that's foolish. A mathil is not something a person can decide to do on his own. A mathil has to come with opportunity. A mathil is not up to me and you to become a mathil. A mathil is only when opportunities present themselves. The opportunity could be the Bet Knesset is full. We need another shul. We need an expansion. Or it could be the Bet Knesset is not doing the right job. Or not the right job for these people. Or it's not taking care of this section. Or, or I moved to a new place. I don't see they have the necessary organization. So I got I to gotta be Mathil. I got to start. Being a Mathil is a scary endeavor. But the nice thing about it is you don't have to look for it. We don't have to look to be a mathil. Opposite. We like to conform with whatever was built for us. But when the situation arises in life to be a mathil, then that should be taken advantage of. It's a very special situation when a person could start something that's necessary. Although it's risky, that the reason, by the way, the reason why it's so scary is because it's so great. Our rabbis teach us very simple. Whenever you see very strong resistance, there must be something very good there. Right? When you walk into Gaza and there's a place where nobody's around, so probably the place is not so important. But if you see strong resistance, if you see there's a lot of, you know, scary sights, all types of protection, all kinds of people fighting. So it must be there's something important there. That's the way it works in life with every one of us. Whenever you see strong resistance to something, so you should know that behind that strong resistance must be something very hashuv and very special. And starting something new, you definitely have very strong resistance. It's scary, it's risky, it's fear of the unknown. It's everything that scares a person. But Hagufa, that's, that's a good sign to show you that there's something very, very great to be in Abraham Avinu.
Abraham Avinu was the person who started everything that we have. There's no words that can explain the power of what Abraham Avinu accomplished for himself. Till today, Abraham Avinu is alive through all of what he planted. It's amazing. He was a Mathil. And that's not only by Abraham, it's by every Mathil. Every Mathil who does something that's necessary, if he does it right, he will be very successful. But you can't be afraid of all the different fear factors. The opposite, when you see all the reason why it's scary, that should be a wake-up call that this is something that was very worthwhile. Now, of course, you can't be mathil things without asking. You have to ask. Not every, not every beginning of something is a beginning that is needed. And not always you can rely on yourself. You have to know that it has to be done with thought. You have to ask great people before you. You have to consult with great rabbis. And you have to consult with people of experience in the matter, whatever the subject is. Just because being a starter of something is great, and you may think you have an opportunity, it's not necessarily so. There are many people who started things that were not worth starting. So I definitely don't mean we should just jump into anything that looks like it's an opportunity. You have to actually sit. When you're very excited, that's the time where you have to really check yourself out. And see if it's really the right thing. Excitement could sometimes be in a, 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 a distraction of, of the truth. Because you get excited so you don't think it through. There was once um, a rabbi who had an idea. A great idea that he wanted to start something. So he went to his rabbi. And he asked him about his idea. Should I do it? Should I not do it? What do you think? So the rabbi told him, no, shouldn't do it. He comes back a year later. He doesn't know why. Everything was nice. It was a great idea. Comes back a year later, tells the rabbi. Wants to ask him again. This time the rabbi tells him, I think you should do it. Makes sense. Because I don't understand. Last year I came to you. I was all excited. I was all, I gave you the whole thing. Just like I gave it to you now. You told me don't do it. Now I come to you, you say, of course, a great idea. What happened? He says, last year you came too excited. That's what happened. He came with too much excitement. He said, I was worried that your excitement was not really pure. Sometimes excitement is coming from a place that isn't so pure. He says, I was afraid that you would open with that excitement. It wouldn't be Matzliah. But today I see you coming in, all thought out, you have it. I, I think it's a good idea. So you have to know, not everything we're excited about is a good idea. And sometimes the excitement could be why it's not a good idea. Because really starting something new, you shouldn't have so much excitement. You should be full of fear. You should be full of, uh, of, of uh, you know, uncertainty. Of course, you're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. But if you're very excited, there might be something here that is pushing you that is not such pure motivation. Maybe you don't like the guy, so you want to open something. Maybe you're in a fight with someone, so you want to open something. Maybe you've, huh? Maybe ego, you want to have your own thing. When you're very excited, 
you have to really second guess yourself why you're so excited. You follow? So the excitement could be the very reason why you really need to slow down. But bottom line is, when you have a hathala opportunity in life, don't be scared of it. If there's an opportunity, the opposite. Get excited about it, but make sure you check it out with all the great people before you to ask advice that you're doing the right thing. And then you jump in. You don't, you don't have to worry about what's going to be. Hashem threw you an opportunity, you do it. That was Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu was that man. He was a matil. He had no precedent. He had no father to teach him. He had no rabbi to teach him. He had no Torah that he was learning. He was in an open, desolate world. And then he saw the emet and he was an honest person and was able to recognize so much of what we learn about. So what does he do with that? Starts. Ah, the whole world's against him. Doesn't matter if the whole world's against you. If you're doing the right thing, doesn't matter who's against you. Opposite. If you're doing the right thing, expect people to be against you. Because since you're the one starting, so obviously people didn't start for a reason. Either they disagree with you, or they didn't want to do it for whatever reason. And now you're doing it, so they're going to have a little bit of, uh, you know, of, of personal, we'll call it, uh, ego or whatever it is, kavod. So Abraham Avinu, he did his thing. He went against the whole world. He caught his feet. He, he, he captured his fears. By the way, just a side point, very interesting. Side point. He's called, Abraham is called Abraham Ivory, Right? We are called Hebrews. Hebrew comes from the word Ivory. Why is he called Abraham Ivory? What? The word Ivri, Abraham Ivri, Lashon Ivri means to pass, Laavor, to be, to go across, right? Right? So, over, I'm going across. So, why is he called Abraham Ivri? Because Hazal say he was at some point in his life by himself, and the entire world was across the river. What does that mean, across? He was living by himself. It means in his lifestyle, in his beliefs, in his involvement, he was a man alone. The whole world was involved in other things and not with him. And he was by himself. It's a very, very hard thing to do. To be such a, to have such con conviction and to be able to fight such resistance, not simple. But if you, again, if you know what you're doing, if you're confident in what you're doing, so then there's nothing to be afraid of. And what's interesting is, this, by the way, again, that's the name of our people. It's so interesting, no? That from all the different names we could have gotten from Abraham, right? He was the great teacher. He was the Baal Hesed. He was so, so much that he was all about, but yet, he was a great, right? Ivri, that was the one that we stuck with. We are the children of that man who are not afraid to do the right thing even if there is resistance on the other side. But what's interesting, what's interesting is from that man who went against the entire world was created the most popular man in the history of the world. Could you imagine that? Who is the most popular human? When I say popular, I don't just mean they know his name. 
Hitler in Mahshemo is very popular too. Okay, but that's not a popular we're talking. When I say popular, I mean who is the one man in history that the most people in the world would say, oh, ghosts, Abraham, my father, my grandpa, Abraham Avinu. Abraham Avinu is the father of all the great nations. They all, they all looked to him as their father, more than anybody else. So imagine a guy who started one man against the entire world. He's the Ivri. He became the most popular. It's against what we think. Exactly. The Yetzirah convinces the person, you're going against other people, no one's going to talk to you, no one's going to notice you, you're going to be... Not the opposite. The opposite. People are attracted to someone who's real. And if you're willing to stand behind what you do, then that makes you a real person. And when it comes down to it, after all the dust settles, first there's a lot of dust, a lot of clouds, people have egos, people have fears, people have, okay. But when the dust settles, people want to see real people. Abraham Avinu was that person that became the most popular figure in the history of the world. So you don't have to be afraid to be a Mathil. That was the great opportunity that Abraham had. But guess what? Yitzhak didn't have that opportunity. He came into a world where Everything was already set up. Abraham already learned what he learned. He was teaching already all the ideals and all the yesodot, all the foundations of Emunah. Abraham Avinu already started the empire of Hesed. Abraham Avinu did everything. It's hard to walk in to a world that was already set up. So as much as he wants to be a Mathil, Right? It's very hard to be a Matthew. It's impossible to be a Matthew. Again, it's not impossible, but it would be wrong for Yitzhak to say, Oh, so let me start something. Why? For the sake of starting. That's not, that's not pure. To start because you want to start, no good. The uniqueness about a Matthew is that it has to come to you. It has to be an opportunity that comes your way. The old chariots, but... Abraham, his, his uniqueness was he was a Mathil. But Yitzhak came into a world and he wasn't a Mathil. Right? So actually, uh, very connected to the parasha. Tomorrow. No, no, no. Tomorrow's parasha. Parasha toldot. It says, Ve'ele toledot Yitzhak ben Abraham. Right? It tells us about that Yitzhak is the son of Abraham. And then it says how Yitzhak and Rivka pray. It says, They prayed opposite each other because she was barren. Hashem answered him. And his wife conceived. How, it says they both prayed. How come... How come she? How come the pasuk out says beferush Hashem answered him. He didn't answer. Why? Hazal say the most amazing, difficult to understand statement. They say no. You can't compare 
או תפילה, או בצדיק, בן צדיק, to a tzaddik ben rasha. Yitzhak was a tzaddik, and his father was a tzaddik. Rivka is a tzaddiket, but her father is Betuel, not a tzaddik. You can't compare the tefillah of a tzaddik, who is the son of a tzaddik, to a tzaddik who is the son of a rasha. Now, if we were asked that question of whose tefillah is greater, Probably, we would say the opposite. We would say, Tzadik ben Rasha, you understand what this guy did? This guy, he took all the Tum'ah that he grew up with, and he got rid of it, and he fought, and he became a Tzadik. Right? He became a Tzadik, exactly. So, what do you mean the Tzadik ben Tzadik is more powerful? Look, they're both Tzadikim. They're not saying one Tzadik is bigger than the other. They're both equal tzaddikim. So being not the son of a tzaddik should be even greater. Right? So what is the meaning? Answer is, there's a very big difficulty being a tzaddik. Being a mathil, like we said. But maybe it's more difficult to be a follower. Yitzhak came into a world where everything was already done. And now he needs to basically stay the course of Abraham Avinu's work. That's very difficult from two different angles, two opposite angles. One reason why it's difficult is because we have an ego. We don't like to fit into a mold that someone already made. There is something in us that likes to be independent. Go tell your teenager to do something. Even if he wanted to do it, because you told him he doesn't want to do it anymore. Why? Because we have a natural desire to be independent. We don't want to just be part of a story that someone else wrote. We want to make our own story. So now it's Hagavinu. Imagine Abraham is your father. You have nothing to do. There's nothing unique anymore about you. Abraham Avinu is the one who built everything. And basically you have just to stay the course and follow what he did without you being recognized as the person who did that. So it's very difficult for the rebellious side of us to stay the course of something that was already built by somebody else. We don't like to just live somebody else's dreams. And therefore, you see sometimes, unfortunately, even from the best homes, sometimes you see from the best homes that a child grew up in that home. You say, wow, he grew up with such tzaddikim, tzaddikot. They got, what happened to the guy? Now, sometimes it could be the parents' fault. But sometimes it's not the parents' fault. Sometimes that yearning for individuality, for independence, is so powerful that the person just wants to escape whatever was built for him and find his own road. And unfortunately, sometimes they find it in all the wrong places. So it is very difficult to be 
a tzaddik ben tzaddik. Because now you're no longer getting the excitement of building. You have to fit yourself into what was already built. You come to a Bet Knesset, it's already built. There's already people running it. Everything is happening. You don't. So what do you do? You sit in the back and you pray and you learn and do your own thing. You're fitting. You're not, you're not, you're not recognizing. Nobody sees you as anybody important here. But that is of great importance to be able to be a follower. When it's the right thing to follow, that's it. That, that might take even more strength than being a mathil. Because a mathil, you run on adrenaline. Yeah, yo, you're fighting. They're all against me. I'm going to fight them. I'm going to build. I'm going to do. You build up energy when you're against. When, when everything is there, everything is easy, you don't have that same. So you need your own givura. That's why it's hard. He's givura. He's a gibor. That he's able to be the great person without having the recognition of and all the adrenaline of the mathil. He has the givura, the strength to follow the course without all the extra additional excitement. You follow? There's another reason why it's hard to be a tzaddik ben tzaddik. Because when you're a tzaddik, excuse me, when you grew up in a house of a tzaddik, so you grew up doing everything right. They taught you how to pray the right way. They taught you how to learn the right way. They taught you how to spend your time the right way. They taught you how to eat the right way. So by the time you're 13, you're already a finished product. They gave you everything through Hinuch to live a perfect life. Jannah and beautiful. What happens to you? You become a tzaddik without a heart. You become a tzaddik without your involvement. You basically are living out the life that the tzaddik before you put you in the... He puts you on the path and you basically just ride the path. The only problem when you ride the path of an old tzaddik is that you're missing from this. You're living your life subconsciously instead of consciously. Subconsciously means you have a way of life, you got used to it, and you live it. What do you do every morning? You wake up to pray. What do you do when somebody needs you? You help them. What do you do when you have free time? You learn. You, be you become a robotic example of the tzaddik before you. Because you grew up that way, you become that person. From the outside, you look great. Externally, you look awesome. You're doing all the right things. But you're checked out. You consciously are not there. It's all the habit, the autopilot of what you were given and what you got used to. You all know, we all know, how habits are a very big part of our existence. Bad habits, very hard to break. Go ask Alcoholic Anonymous. Ask him how much they're able to have success, real success with people. Not so easy. Why? 
Because very hard to break habits. But even good habits are hard to break. Even good habits aren't that great. Because once it becomes a habit, it becomes, it becomes a, an automated part of you. And no longer the active part of you. So you start coming to learn every day. At some point, the learning becomes habit. You start to give charity, becomes habit. You learn, you pray every day, habit. A person has to know it's a very big challenge. When things become habit, it removes me from, it's like a person married without the heart. It's not a marriage. You're doing all the right things. She's cooking, you're paying the bills. You're doing all the right things externally. But it's void. You're, it's called present absent. You know what present absent is? Tell the guy, present, present, he raises his hand. But he's absent, not there. A person could live his life as a tzaddik, present, absent. He's present in every right place, doing every right thing, but he's absent. He himself is not there. That's what happens to every person, not only who grew up in a tzaddik's home, every person who starts doing something good, at some point, he checks out. It's like driving a car for an hour. Somebody asked you, what, what, what happened in the last hour? How many cars cut you off? How many cars you cut off? How fast were you going? How, what lane were you driving in? Uh, truth, the truth, I don't remember. The last thing I remember was putting the car on and starting to drive. I don't remember anything happened in between. Well, well, who was driving in between? It was your subconscious. Your body is able to automate itself to basically make decisions without you getting involved. You could be on the phone, you could be listening to a class, you could be focused on totally something else, and yet the car somehow got to its destination. Because a person is capable to live subconsciously when you get used to it. So that's why a tzaddik ben tzaddik, to be a real tzaddik with all the limb, with all to be not absent to present absent, to be present, present, to be there, to be, to be a person who is a mathil, even though you were mekabel. Hello? To be a mathil, even though you already got it from somebody else. To have the passion of the mathil, even though it was given to you, that's a very big accomplishment. That requires givura. Meaning, being a mathil, in the opportunity of a mathil, okay? So you have the mathil giving you the strength, energizing you. The project itself energizes you. Because it's new. You got to work. But let's say you're already given everything. Now the energy, you have to supply. The givura has to come from you. It's not coming from the adrenaline of building, of doing, of fighting, of going. You don't know that. But if you just follow, then you're not really doing much. When you have the same passion as the mathil, even though you weren't a mathil, that's power. That's why a tzaddik ben tzaddik is greater than a tzaddik ben rasha. Because A, he fought off his desire for independence. And B, he is as excited as the one who really is a starter. 
The difference is by him, it came natural, the excitement. But by you, you had the engine, the giburah, to be able to produce that same excitement. That's why a tzaddik ben tzaddik is more precious. Because he had those battles and he beat them. That's why the Pasuk says, Bezacharti et beriti Yaakov. Hashem says Yaakov first. Then he remembers Yitzhak. And then Abraham, why? Because Yitzhak, when he walked into the world, it was a world already that had Abraham. What is there for him to do? There's no more Hathala. But yet Yitzhak, he became a person as if he was a Mathil. Even though he had a Kabbalah, and he went with the Kabbalah, he went with the tradition, but he went in the tradition as if it was his. He recalculated everything. He re-owned everything. He made everything Abraham achieved become his own achievement. He didn't just follow. He didn't just drive in Abraham's car. He took Abraham's car and he started driving it himself. He became the Abraham through working it out and not just saying, oh, I'm, I am Abraham's son and that's why I do this. No, I do it because it's the right thing to do. I do it with the same passion as if I was a matil. That's not so simple. That's why the Pasuk talks about Yaakov first. Because if it says Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov, sounds like Yitzhak followed Abraham and Yaakov followed Yitzhak. No, no, no. The greatness of the Avot is Says Hashem in my book, Yaakov is a Mathil. He's a Mathil. What do you mean he's a Mathil? He just lived the same way Yitzhak and Abraham. Was he Mathil? They already started. No. It's true. Physically, he was following what they did. But he took it. And not only the next level, even the same level. But he internalized it. And it was within himself. He was acting after he acquired that passion for what he was doing. He wasn't just living because his father told him. He didn't just pray because his father told him to pray. He prayed because he understood the value of tefillah. He didn't do mitzvot because his father told him to do it. Or because he was living with the habits of his father. He reanalyzed and he re-owned it as if it was his own. That's why he said, beriti Yaakov. I have a beri with Yaakov as if it was only Yaakov. Beautiful. You see that it's even harder. Meaning, you see that being a mathil sounds like really everyone needs to do. But some have it easier and some have it harder. The one who starts with nothing, in one way it's very hard because there's nothing to build from. But on one hand, it's easier because it's independent. It's adrenaline, it's koah, you're fighting, you're doing. So there's one advantage of a mathil and there's one disadvantage of a mathil. Now when you're coming into a world where there was already a mathil, someone already started. So now on one hand it's easier because everything is there for you. The risk is no longer like it was for the person who started. Everything is set up for you. You don't have to fight like you had to. Beautiful. The other end is a very big challenge. That you're going to just be a robot of somebody else's uh, 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 buildings. So now to, to become a mathil, 
of somebody else who started, that's a very powerful uh, uh, achievement. That's why the Torah says the word, the names in that order. And that, our rabbis explain, is what the Midrash is telling us about Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu, of course, had emunah. Of course, he never doubted for a moment that it was Hashem who helped him, who helped, excuse me, his father find Rivka. Of course, he knew that it wasn't the money or the camels. He knew that. But what was Yaakov doing? Yaakov was reanalyzing everything. Yaakov didn't want to take the emunah that he was given in his home as something so obvious and pashut. Like people say today, how are you? Baruch Hashem. What's going to be? It's going to be great. Hashem is, they say the right words. But who knows if they're just parroting the word that they learned once or somebody else's words. They don't, I don't know how much they mean it. Of course, if you ask Yaakov Avinu, Yaakov, you think your father uh, did it because of his wealth or because Hashem helped him? Of course, he'll tell you, HaKomet Hashem. He'll, what do you think? He'll say, how many people here say that? They're just saying the words, but they don't really live it. Not really their belief. They're just saying words they learned when they were younger. Oh, Yaakov Avinu didn't want to fall in that pit where you're just acting out what you've been taught and just saying it and parroting it. It's just... But, because that's the way you look. It looks nice. You sound nice. You look nice. Abraham, Yaakov, you know what he did? He, re, he questioned himself. He, he took himself. Hey, Yaakov, maybe it was the money. Maybe it was the camels. Maybe that was why he's hot guy. He questioned. He said, no, no. No, 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 no. What do you mean? Hashem is all that helps me. Basically, He's taking what he was given and reacquiring it for himself. He was afraid that the emunah that he had was the emunah that he was given. He wanted to build his own emunah. He wanted to take it and own it. Just like a person who was taught to pray when he was five years old. Beautiful. You learned how to pray when you were five years old. Most people at 95, they're still praying the same way. They don't understand the word they're saying. They don't have any connection to Hashem through the tefillah. What? And, they're, and they're not even bothered by it. They just keep praying. Why? Why they're not bothered? Because they're doing something they've been taught to do and just continuing the same pattern. One day, they should stop and say, Hey, why am I praying? Why do I pray? Who am I praying to? Now, if someone hears them say that, they say, oh, Do you still have a doubt? No, they don't have a doubt. They don't have to have a doubt to say that. You have to go and say, Listen, something. I have to now acquire it for myself. I no longer can do things just because my father told me. I have to have, there has to be a point in my life where I take back my independence. Doesn't mean you should change. It means you could do the same thing, but do it now independently. So Yaakov Avinu, what was he working on when he says, I don't have the money, I don't have anything. Of course he had the bitahon words that he, everyone would say, but he was afraid that those words were just external. And they weren't real. So what did he do? Ask questions on himself. Yaakov, do you really believe it? Do you, are you really praying? You got to pray every day. Are you really praying? Are you really doing what the right way? person has to re-energize himself by re-asking on himself why he does what he does so that he acquires it for himself to become 
an individual who is accomplishing. This is why Yaakov Avinu says the Midrash is asking, he's doubting his emunah, so he can build his emunah strong. Have a wonderful day.